0: This is Matt.
1: This is Jeannie.
0: And we're back because you're back.
1: I mean, we never really went away in the metaverse of our podcast.
0: Yeah, I guess it's true. You went on a trip and returned. So that's why I'm like, oh, you're back.
1: We're back to filming recording.
0: Yep. there we go. There's no film. Can you imagine? I might like? be slightly jet lagged. What, what would this look like? If we were filming. No, no, no. You know this podcast where they actually film the people talking. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever get there? Mm. Hope not. Based on this. Based on what's
1: happening in this room right now, <laughs> and I
0: don't know. This is the most relatable. This is not a studio, <clears throat> right? Exactly. This is just our house with our dogs. Just after dinner. This is all we got.
1: Right. It would not seem very polished.
0: Which adds to our relatability. Oh, it's a It it's is.
1: It's a Honey,
0: it's that time of year. Okay. It's, it's a golf a, time of year? Well, I mean, it is, but that's not what I was talking about. Okay. I think I am dubbing this time of year 80s rock season.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because
0: mm-hmm. temperatures hit 75, mm-hmm. 78, you know, today. Yep. So we were outside doing outside things.
1: Guns and roses.
0: Outside beauteous, right? Happens. So it's like, what do we put on when we need to do shit outside in the yard? And it's true. And easy go-to is 80s rock. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime yeah. In the garden. Garden says 80s rock. 90s, too. Sure. Na- like who? Aerosmith. Aerosmith is in like 90s?
1: Yeah, but in our lifetime, Aerosmith is 90s. All
0: right. Yeah, I guess I see what you're saying. You know. Like they came out with- uh, Big ones. What's the one before that, though? What's the one with the milk udder? Um, get a grip is that what it is <laughs> i think so look it up get a grip i think is the one it had like eat the rich mm-hmm. living on the edge um oh living on the edge was on that one i think so yeah that's the one with the video don't you remember the video mtv to date ourselves well you know that's the one where like yeah were, that was the there were two shots butter. there were two shots in that video that that
1: was 1993
0: raised some eyebrows one is like It was a shot of Steven Tyler singing and it slowly pulled back to reveal his whole body and he was like naked but holding his junk and like half his body was like painted. Wow. Yeah. And then there was the other one where it was Joe Perry playing like the solo, but he was like standing on the train tracks Mm -hmm. and the train is coming and then he like stepped off just in time and I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And now we're like green screen. It's not a big deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal.
1: It was probably two moments that just gave teenagers all kinds of ideas about being naked and singing and stepping off of train tracks.
0: You sound like you're at a congressional hearing, <laughs> but you're on the side that's being like, these singers, rock and roll, these and <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, and everything. Ah, You sound like the, the Reverend Lovejoy's wife <clears throat> in the Simpsons. So ridiculous. Think about the children. I just remember that so much
1: from our youth for some reason. Like
0: Yeah, because it was
1: It was like the rating system being like blown
0: up. For and music. Yeah. Do you remember that?
1: Yes. Very clearly. For oh. some like I was so appalled.
0: <laughs> what part were you appalled? I don't know. Just like. What part were you clutching your pearls? Um Okay.
1: So this is is going to give you all a little bit more insight into my brain uh i mean like
0: whoever's listening this is why we're there here
1: 89 (laughs) to 95 uh maybe not that long of a time but it was basically i was like i remember being like 10 or 11 and having the thought of like this is what we're focusing on oh okay children are being bombed in their beds in the middle of the night because we are willing to murder people for oil, but we're going to worry about the language in a oh, music okay. album. You were
0: like, still yeah. re- re- you know, recovering from Desert Storm. I don't know if and I recovered. Like, Why? Right. right. You were reeling from Desert Storm, mm-hmm. and you're like, wait a second. I don't even know when those two things lined up. It was like not quite the same time. I think this rating thing might have been a little before. Was it? For some reason, I think it was in the late 80s. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I remember, I just remember seeing stickers on the CDs and tapes and then knowing that was like, ooh, this is, this is the bad music. (laughs) I mean, sort of, but not really. Like, I didn't actually think that, but I thought like, ooh, this is the edgy stuff. 1985. Yeah, way before that. Yeah. This is way before.
1: Parental Advisory Labels. Yeah,
0: Tipper Gore. Remember that? That was. Was it? She was the one that kind of spearheaded that.
1: That couldn't have been in 85.
0: Really? Yeah. Why? Al Gore was the senator? Oh. Like, he was still in politics. He was still in the federal government. Right, right, right. right. Tipper. Like, here's, and the thing about that is, I get it. Like, I think there's nothing wrong with some sort of rating system with a little bump and grind. Well, there's never anything wrong with that. <laughs> I see nothing wrong.
1: But would you put a parental advisory label on this?
0: No, I mean not in the ratings we're dealing with now. I mean that they're maybe I don't know, but like I don't know they don't drop any f bombs, which was definitely a big deal. But I think content was more of the thing too because they were really going after heavy metal music at the time.
1: Right. Well, they were also going after like anything that was remotely like sexual.
0: Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. But I th- yes, but also I think like Twisted Sister was in their crosshairs, and like their imagery and mm. music and. D. Snyder testified, which is like one of the most like why he is a hero, and continues to be. I don't know why it's I true. just don't keep buying Twisted Sister, Twisted Sister T-shirts and swag because this man is amazing. He is amazing. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> Does he have a TikTok?
0: Uh, I don't know. Definitely has Twitter. We should he find out if he has a TikTok. Rips conservatives alive on Twitter. It's pretty fucking awesome. That's amazing. So it's that time of year. This the windows are open. The sun's <clears throat> still out. Outdoor beauteous happens. Outdoor beauteous, which has mixed reviews as far as my nervous system
1: mm-hmm, goes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: It both does a clench and does a like, hey, maybe this is your exercise. <laughs> maybe if you do some outside work, you won't have to feel bad about whatever food or beverages you consume later.
1: You don't have to feel bad about that anyway.
0: Oh, but we will. Mm. We will feel bad.
1: We will not.
0: The royal Wee.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh. I mean, activity is good. Being in the sunshine True. is
0: good. Being in the sun. i am looking forward to being in the garden, being in the sun, just being outside. So that's when we are. And It's that time of year. It's that time of year. And it's
1: a wonderful, glorious, sunshine-filled time of year that we wait for the rest of the 10 months of the year. In yeah. The Lakes. It's a long
0: winter. It's a long haul. Yeah. I'm like, I thought that as I stepped outside to grill dinner. I'm like, why do we live here? It's fucking the middle of May almost, and this is the first, like, nice day. Well, it's Uh, not, but it's- Well, it's the the first first day where we can, like, be outside the entire day. It's the
1: first nice, like,
0: week. Yes, that's what I mean. It's like, some places, this happened a month ago.
1: In some places, it happens every day.
0: Yeah, but then you get August, and it's like, why am I here? And you get, like, poisonous snakes. Yeah, I mean, oh, we don't have snakes. We don't really have hurricanes. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Choices. Choices. So Mm. last week was Star Wars, and I don't want to belabor the point. And I Mm. had a couple thoughts as I rewatched the original Tridge on Star Wars Day. When you weren't here. You did? When you abandoned me. Abandoned you? For Italy. And I was forced to recognize Star Wars Day by myself.
1: Yeah. It It was a different sort of Star Wars Day.
0: Yeah. I took out all the games with that head miniatures and played with them.
1: So what I'm hearing is that you missed me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sure. Of course I did. <clears throat> All right. So I'm not going to go into a lot because we talked about it last episode. Right. So this is just like, I had a whole, I had a list of like things that I wanted to like kind of talk or thought of. And I'm only going to bring up like maybe one, maybe two okay. two things. One is that watching the lightsaber battle between Luke and Darth Vader in Empire Strikes Back, Uh I I further appreciated that like Luke's look changed throughout the duel. Like Mm. he looks kind of normal when they start and then like as the duel goes on and definitely by the end, he is like very sweaty. It looks like he has been put through the ringer. Like his image, and if you think about any other of the duels in the movies, no one really goes through a physical change except for maybe when, you know, Anakin Skywalker is set on fire. But there's not a lot of like, this person looks like they were just worked to the extreme just right. to survive kind of thing. So I just appreciated that detail. Okay. And that was pretty cool. <laughs> the second one was from the same movie when Han and Leia and Chewie land on Bespin to meet Lando. Uh-huh. And like they walk off the ship before Lando and his men come to meet them. <laughs> and Leia's like, I don't like this. And <laughs> so I was like, well, what would you like? And I like, couldn't have identified with any character in any movie more than that moment. Wow! I know, and I'm like, oh, yeah. What? What? What do you want? What do you want? What I do you think want? She meant energetically. She didn't like it. That's fine. And also, like, what would you want?
1: Maybe she's just making a statement. This
0: what? This is what we have. <laughs> this is where we are right now. So I just thought it's like that's why I love rewatching anything.
1: I had a thought too. Okay. This is going to be the hill I'm going to die on.
0: <laughs> okay. You know what I'm going to say. I don't really. No, yeah. Why are you laughing then? Because there was a big pause that I'm not sure if I can edit out. Oh. And I'm watching this. I'm like, okay. Dead. Okay. It's the we're all just going to call it the Scorpio dramatic the pause. The
1: Scorpio dramatic pause. <laughs> you know, some there are maybe five things. That my father in my law and I have in common. And that is one of them. That is one of them.
0: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so go
1: ahead. Ray. Yes. Did have something to overcome. Okay. And that is her profound loneliness and her abandonment issues, and that she is so, so eager to find and belong to something. Okay. To someone. Yeah.
0: Uh, Now, I was also thinking about this as well after last episode we recorded, where my criticism of Ray is not like a criticism of Ray; It's more of like criticism of the writers and the choices they made, where if your protagonist, main character, has no internal flaws, like nothing within themselves that gets in their way that they need to learn and unlearn and figure out. Like you even said before, like she has nothing to unlearn, which I think- is something that's crucial for a protagonist in a series. Something well, I think like- she's
1: unlearning, but I wanted men- to amend that because I think she's unlearning self-doubt. I think that she is unlearning like this lack of belonging, this like, who am I? Who am I? Who do I belong to? It's like such a, yeah, you know, and then like when Ben was like, you're nothing, you know, I saw your parents or like whatever he said, I don't even remember. Um Like how hard that was for her to actually reconcile with. Yeah. So she needed to unlearn that, like, I mean, this is clearly a theme this week because we were watching another movie last night, Um, but it's kind of like the Ruby Slippers, Dorothy scenario in an aspect as well, like... The power was in you all along. It doesn't matter what your parents are. It doesn't matter your, you know.
0: It's barf. Barf central. Wow. I hate that. It's so awful. Like, I hate that. Where, like, a major character in a story gets told by someone else. It's like, the power was always with you. But that's
1: true about every single human being. You just had to
0: realize it. Well, I mean, there's there's no growth there. There's no learning.
1: It's both. It's It's both. It's just like, oh, I just have to realize
0: I'm awesome. I didn't have to. Okay, now this is different. Like a side character in one movie, as opposed to if this was a main character in a trilogy and you just had to learn the powers was within you, like then what am I like, what's the journey? There's nothing other than just like saying, Oh, I'm already awesome. I should have realized this by now.
1: Except that that's not what is happening. It's not like I'm awesome and I should have realized this by now. It's like for anyone who there's the Ruby slippers situation, you know, energetic Ruby slipper situation. But it's like, I mean, this was like a big part of being in Italy over the last week. It was like this conversation around can we be both a masterpiece and a work in progress? Can we have like Michelangelo's vision of in the block of marble Mm -hmm. is the perfect sculpture? Mm -hmm. It's there. It's perfect. And we have to chisel away at some shit to be able to see it.
0: It's the same thing. Hmm. Yeah, I guess.
1: I love when your speech slows down like this because you know that, like, I made a point. Yeah,
0: you made a point that I have to think about. That you have to think about. Right? Yeah. This okay. This is not what we're here to talk about today. Anyway. I got it. That's a good. That's a good point. I mean, we did. I mean, I guess we just should say we just saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which we both loved. Mind-blowingly But there definitely was amazing. a Ruby Slippers Dorothy character where. And quite literally, one character said to this person where you have it inside you, you've had it the whole time, mm-hmm. which this person was a side character. So I, I was okay with them being like, I've either like, I I mean, we we meet her and she has this power that can't be controlled. And then she kind of learns that like. She says she can use it in this circumstance, but doesn't quite get it. And then she kind of like learns to channel it. And it was a side character. It wasn't like the main story. So I'm like, that's fine. That works. But as a main character that like has to carry a trilogy or even just one movie, like you just have to realize you're awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. But hey, I'm just a 42 year old white man that should not be listened to on a lot of things. So I'm totally fine with that.
1: Or you're just a 42-year-old white man that doesn't realize that you have the power within you all along,
0: too. <laughs> you know what? Maybe. And if that <laughs> ends up happening, i will be like, fucking A. God damn it. But you know what? That's right. That's not why we're here.
1: It's not why we're here today. It's not
0: why we're here right now. Talk
1: about this nonsense.
0: We're talking about something else. What are we here to talk about? We're here to talk about, I guess, in- introverts. Being. Introverts, being introverts, and like the dynamic between like being an introvert versus being an extrovert within yourself, mm-hmm. within a group, and like I guess within the greater culture. culture Totally. Yeah. So we both identify, we both would say like we are introverts. Now if I say, now honey, if you say to me, you're introverted. I think a lot of times people be like, Oh, that just means you're quiet or you're shy, shy. right? Mm-hmm. Which is the label introverts often get. But I would just—I dis- wouldn't. You are not either of those things. This who me? Yeah,
1: you're not quiet or shy.
0: <laughs> In fact, I wish you would shut up. Stop it! Stopping. <laughs> I never want you to shut up. Um. Right, quiet and shy are labels thrown at introverts, and I think. Well, I guess one reason was like why do we decide to talk about this is part of our experience in education i think mm-hmm. is when we f- we first realized we had some kind of common ideas about this personality type mm-hmm. and it's mistyping i guess i'll call it that because a lot of times they'll be labeled certain ways that are inaccurate and sometimes in my opinion kind of wrong right. so that's like in in being a teacher and a student how being an introvert works so if i if you say to me I'm introverted. What does that mean to you? Like, what are some mm-hmm. qualities or what makes it someone an introvert?
1: So the big distinction for me is someone whose energy reserve, let's say. Let's say, you know, everybody has a battery. Um, and I'm not going to use Terminator terminology right
0: now. What were you going to say? Use Terminator knowledge or terminology. Just what that, like, say?
1: there's, like... If there's one Terminator model,
0: <laughs> so you just wanted to use model. The word. Yeah, okay. I wasn't gonna, so I'm not doing that. Okay.
1: And within our battery system, how an introverted person charges their battery is by, you know, withdrawing, going into their own space, their own thoughts, their own, you know, kind of flow. Of life, they step away. Mm. Whereas an extroverted person to charge their battery actually engages within activity conversations. It's like, oh, I, I got to fill my social cup. Yeah. Whereas <clears throat> an introvert needs to fill their silence cup or their,
0: <laughs> you know, right, like fill their energy cup through silence, withdrawing, alone time, right, versus filling your energy cup. By being out and with your friends or strangers or like just, just being engaging. engaging. Other people. Um, one of the best examples or ways I've heard to describe this is by Simon Sinek, mm. the speaker, writer. And he said, basically, an introvert wakes up in the morning and has a stack of coins on their bedside table. And each social interaction costs them a coin. Mm-hmm. They spend a coin. And at the end of the day, their stack is depleted. Right. Whereas... An extrovert wakes up with no coins and they earn their coins by interacting with people. that's how they right. get them I'm like oh that's a really fucking yes an interesting way uh <clears throat> to describe it uh yeah, I would totally agree and can like feel at this point like yeah, to recharge, I need to be in solace. <laughs> You know, you know? Or like... Right. Yeah.
1: Well, and, sometimes it's also like in preparation of.
0: Yeah, you totally. know,
1: Like we know that if we're, you know, whatever it is we're going to do, we're going to go hang out with a group of people or... We have something or, to
0: do later that evening. You right. Know? I mean, <laughs> in a bigger group of people. It is... Bigger more than, more than two.
1: <laughs> it is literally a conversation of where are we napping? Yeah. When is the nap? When is the nap? Like... When we make a plan with other people, it's like, okay, well, we got to have space in here before this for just a 25 minute, like total, even if there isn't actual sleep, just like close your eyes, no conversation, no sounds, total, like
0: chill. Close your eyes. Like I remember when I was working both subbing at schools when we got here and working at Barnes Noble in the evenings. There would be like an hour and a half between when I left one place and had to be at another. Mm -hmm. Which means that like 20 minute drive on both ends, I maybe had 45, 50 minutes. And I had to, so I'm like, okay, I got really good at getting home, laying down in bed, covering my eyes and just like listening to my breathing Mm -hmm. for as long as it took for me to fall asleep. And I could be asleep in like five minutes. You could be
1: asleep in 90 seconds. And then
0: get 45 minutes of sleep before I had to go work, smart ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, but so, I mean, I could, you're right. But also like how many times we can, I mean, if you've ever been there, we're like, okay, I have a window of an hour. I could really use some sleep. Right. And then sit down and try to do that. Like that is kind of hard. You're just like, okay, please sleep. Please, please sleep. Please sleep. now. <laughs> you know,
1: I don't think either of us ever have that problem.
0: Actually, No, totally did. I mean, especially if it's like, okay, I need to sleep or else like I have to go back out and do things mm-hmm. and then function and be on and i'd really like to be rested and if i'm not rested this is just going to be a long day yeah. and evening yeah um yeah uh were you labeled or thought of yourself as an introvert as a kid growing up or when i mean i guess we identify and you identify as an introvert now do you remember when you got that label because i think as kids sometimes we we have a lot more energy yeah. and willing to engage um is there any instances in your youth where you're like ooh withdrawing and being in quiet is actually preferable.
1: So growing up in and out of my grandparents' house, and even when like I didn't live there, I was there often. um, My grandparents' house was like Grand Central Station. Mm. There never was a time that there were not people in, out, like huge dinners, loud conversations, like, Anybody who worked with my grandfather would come over for lunch. Like it it just was like so much consistent activity and many people like lived in my grandparents' house at times too. So it was like, it was just constant. Um, that said, I didn't have siblings growing up that lived with me full time. So, mm. you know, Allie, my sister, I would get to see her on the weekends and it was like, oh my God, you know, like I get to finally right. play with somebody or hang out with someone. It was
0: fun thing you were expecting.
1: But I spent so much time on my own. What I realized, what kind of, I mean, obviously I didn't have the language for this, but looking back now, I would go, I would get invited to people's houses for slumber parties or like when, sleepover. When
0: was this? Mm-hmm. Like how old? Oh God, Seven. Oh, okay. eight,
1: yeah, You know, mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine. Um, even honestly, I think into middle school, like sixth grade, it started to shift, but I would get invited. I would always say yes. And then as it would get be close to going to my friend's house, I would be like, but I didn't want to be rude. Yeah. So I would go to my friend's house and like, Sure enough, at 9 o'clock at night, I would call my grandmother to come and get me. Oh, really? Because I didn't want to spend the night. And everyone was like, oh, you know, are you scared? Like, you're scared to sleep over? I'm like, no, I
0: just don't want to be in the room. I'm just kind of done right now. I just don't want to talk (laughs) to anybody anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I mean, and as active as my grandparents' house Mm. was, there were these little... I mean, they are just like kind of tricks to surviving in the, the activity of that house. So it was like, if you go into my grandfather's <clears throat> TV room, you were pretty much guaranteed to not have to talk at all, because granted, he didn't <laughs> want to talk to anybody. So I could just lay on his lap and we could watch boxing and like not talk.
0: It's like this, there's this great <clears throat> line from the first season of True Detective, which I've rewatched that whole season. There's only eight episodes, and it was on HBO. I've, I've rewatched that probably six or seven times. I could watch it every three months. Just watch the whole thing. I'm gonna watch Mindhunter again. Oh, uh, I could watch that too. Yeah, but Woody Harrelson is a detective, and Matthew McConaughey is his partner, who they don't get along. And <laughs> Woody Harrelson's like, "Let's make the car a place of silent reflection." <laughs> and I feel like that's. Kind of the vibe your granddaddy was going for. Where I'm It was sure. like this office is a place of silent reflection, and it doesn't seem like you had to be convinced or coerced to adhere to this rule.
1: No, <laughs> no, and also like if I was watching, you know, a kid show or kids, you know, like nobody was going to come and be in yeah, my no kid space. To be around like that. Yeah. it wasn't. So I didn't. I wasn't expected to produce back and forth conversation however growing up in a household what a
0: load off isn't that great like not being (laughs) it's like i'm just gonna be in this space with everyone right now and i just want it to be known that like don't expect conversation from me yeah (laughs) but like i guess part of an introvert is like there's always that expectation or like introvert i mean i do hate small talk like at anywhere with anyone i hate the like hey how's it going have you blah 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 something super topical. Like I'd rather a stranger or someone ask me like a deeper philosophical whatever. Right. Just cuz I like I can't stand the blather of fucking small talk. I hate it so much. Yeah,
1: it's just too much. Um I have like a threshold I think mm. because I think sometimes people use it in like the getting to know you process ish. Yeah. And as a threshold like I don't I, you know, I. I kind of bristle whenever there's that, like, "Oh, so what do you do? Like, yeah. what's, your job? what's your job? What you know?" And, yeah, we got
0: to come up with a better like and I'm icebreaker like, Can there for be adults.
1: Anything else? Like, what is my, you know, soul's longing?
0: Jesus, <laughs> I mean, that's a great question, but I mean, who always has an answer? <laughs> It was my soul's longing. I would rather
1: a fumbled through pondering answer about your soul's longing than you to tell me that, you know, you sell life insurance.
0: Well, you know, what's funny. I go right into teacher mode where I'm like, what's my soul's longing? That's a great question. What's yours? Mm. Yeah, what's (laughs) yours? Throw it right back when you don't know the answer. Yeah. That's a great question, guys. What do you think?
1: (laughs) Which I think is also... a. Don't you think that that's like a mm, tactic or sur- survival mechanism? Sounds really dramatic. But, you know, of introverts, it's like, oh, I can kind of like volley this back to you. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I can listen.
0: Totally. Yep. And
1: that actually is going to take less energy than me going blah, 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 blah,
0: blah right, at you with, about uh, whatever I do. Yeah. Especially if it's some sort of like get to know you. Mm-hmm. someone you don't know but have to interact on this superficial kind of level right it's so much easier right. to throw it back and ask you know probing questions mm-hmm. so you don't have to like just engage in what you can be like meaningless like whatever like this isn't this is silly and i hate it. like this is conversation has no not point but meaning, but like it's just very on the surface and then and then those kind of things can be tedious and so tedious. hard so tedious. for people that identify as introverts did um, you have
1: a memory from when you were young where like you can see evidence of your introvertedness
0: um no, not really, but definitely, I guess there was a summer well, the summer I played in the baseball team that went to the little League. World Series that we talked about months ago. Like, I was in seven. I mean, I went to the grade school with the same group of people from K through eight, essentially. Right. And then I remember coming back after that summer played in the World Series, that school year was eighth grade. And I remember people saying that, like, oh, you've changed. And, like, I think definitely I came back with a little more confidence, Mm -hmm. a little bit... I want to say swagger... (laughs) Ooh. What does an eighth grade Matt O'Neill swagger look like? Oh, my God. It must have been but I so think, cute. But I definitely remember feeling more comfortable in my skin. Okay. Um, And then people saying I've changed – or like students or peers saying I've changed. I'm like, I don't really – I didn't recognize it. I didn't identify it. But I definitely felt like more okay either being who I was sort mm-hmm. of thing. Like I definitely felt less kind of guarded. That kind of changed the year later at high school where like the shields went back up and it was like a little bit, because it was a different high school, you know, like I went with, there was probably a handful of the 60 kids mm-hmm. went to the high school that I went to and it wasn't a different, it was a parochial school, it was Notre Dame, so it was a Catholic school. So like it didn't draw from one town, it drew from many. So like right. met a lot of different people. Um, but that kind of went kind of right back up again where it's like, oh, okay. Then I I, re, I have very vivid memories and feelings of introversion in high school,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, especially. I mean, in a peer group. I mean, I played football my first freshman year, and I played other. I played baseball all four years, so that kind of like helped lubricate the social wheel wheels, so to speak. I just but did like a bunch of drugs. <laughs> I did not. You did not. I did not. Um, Different choices. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I was never offered or sought out drugs. Okay. So it was never like a, a choice I was presented. And I can almost guarantee would the answer would have been no. Um, I was presented. And you were like, yes.
1: And I was like, mm, this might make this suck less.
0: Hmm. See, now here's the thing. What I remember sucking about high school was – being in school, being in class, and just like, I wish the teacher could get through what they had to get through without some jackass, like some class clown saying things. I'm like, can we just all just shut the fuck up? That was one thought. <laughs> That's one thought. And then also, on the other <laughs> end, is just like, please don't ask me to say anything. Mm-hmm. Please, dear God. Please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. Uh, probably a third of the time, I would have had something to say, mm-hmm. and the other two thirds, uh, I didn't have something to say. All the times I didn't want to have to say a damn thing, like please, please don't, please, oh my god, don't say, anything. <laughs> please don't call on me, yeah. Which probably directly influenced my teaching career, so to speak, quote mm. unquote. You know what I mean? Like,
1: well, I mean that's when really like this idea of introverted extroverted even was on my radar was in the context of teaching Mm. teenagers like i didn't think about it about myself
0: totally yeah
1: um and you know if i looked at different activity like i was kind of a joiner in the sense that i would volunteer for things i did theater i you know I think that people would often put those in the category of extroverted. Because if you can get on a stage and deliver a whatever to someone. But I don't think that that's true. Like, And I also got to be in character when I was delivering those things. Right. Like it wasn't me. And
0: Well, I'll, I'll reference the book that I read most of in preparation for this. A uh, book called Quiet... The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Cain. So good. That's so good. Like I'm two thirds through it, and it's amazing. But like that idea where actors, leaders, are always extroverted, right? Which is which is untrue. I mean, they could be extra show extrovert behaviors or tendencies. That doesn't make mean they're not introverted people. Um, at the end of the day, Right. right? So like, yes, you can totally be an introverted actor on stage
1: 100 right. oh i totally
0: and i totally get what you're saying about like playing a character so this is not me so like i'm not right. actually taking the risk and here's a funny thing this is from my freshman year in high school i took acting one <laughs> <laughs> it's an elective my freshman year so like this is 14 year old me it's an elective so there's kids of all ages and it's an acting class so it's like you're thrown up And you're just assumed you're going to take risks Uh and you just kind of do it. Yes, you do. So there was one exercise the teacher wanted to do. Basically, two students start. They start a scene or an interaction. Mm -hmm. She'll like say pause and one student will leave and another you swap. Like one student swaps another. So like I swapped in with like a junior, Uh maybe a senior, and he was like doing push-ups. And I was like, "I'm a drill sergeant." Oh! And I just started yelling at this guy. Oh my goodness! You, Maggie, get on that ground and give me twenty. And I was just like, "You are worthless. You are scum." And like, I can have memories of just laughter because everyone's like, "What the hell?" Oh my god! Right? And like, I was just like, (laughs) "I have no idea." If this was me and this kid in any other scenario, I never would have ever thought to do this. Uh-huh. But it was like this this shield of like, uh, this is not actually me. This right. is acting. Like, right. I'm going to portray this and I'm not, don't hold me accountable because that wasn't actually me. That was this made up thing. Yeah. So fucking wild.
1: I love this story. <laughs> I would have never heard no, this story. Yeah, probably
0: not. That's why this thing that we're doing is fun. It's like, I, I, I have no reason so to much. tell these stories except like, oh Yeah.
1: Well, and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, you know, you love movies. Ooh. And so, like, you have all of these characters and, and, you know, I don't think you were an avid reader quite yet. No, I wasn't point.
0: really a reader until after college. Yeah, whatever. but you
1: loved movies. And so you mm. could, like, step into these various persona out there. Oh, yeah. I love that yeah. so much. Yeah, that, that, was was, so that
0: was so much fun. That acting class was a good time.
1: But, yeah, and I I think, like... When I stepped into the role of the teacher, it was so.
0: So I don't know if this is a thing that they do anymore in public school, or you know. I was there. I was in a public school like two years ago. I can probably tell you that. they do that. <laughs> um,
1: that there were considerable amounts of guidelines around like how you do grading as a teacher,
0: right? Okay. Yeah.
1: So, you know, here's the overall structure. I remember this from student teaching, and the teacher that was my mentor teacher had been teaching for like forty years. Can you imagine? And I don't think that anything about I've barely
0: been breathing for forty years.
1: How they were teaching had changed in forty years. Like I think that they developed, and I could tell because their lesson plans were quite literally, or their worksheets were quite literally mm. typed yeah, on a typewriter, totally. and they just xerox, xerox, xerox. Hey, they worked in the fifties. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyway, it was like so. This is the portion of the grade that will be
0: about testing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So like this your grade is twenty percent this, twenty percent
1: this, ten percent that. La la la. And there was always a percentage for participation.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Class participation. Class Participation. Totally.
1: And I'm like,
0: no. Well, it depends. See, for me, I I, I kinda like that was a great little fudge factor in there. Cause it could be like, you know, I don't take tests well, but in class I'm listening and I asked a question or I part- or like genuinely participated. Or like I hate participating, but Uh, this journal question that I wrote was good. You know what I mean? It's like if participation could be very loosely defined to be almost anything where you're engaging in the class, not just I spoke.
1: Right. And I think that, I mean, in this class in particular, this is why it was brought to my like awareness was, you know, well, this person didn't speak in class today.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And I'm like, maybe they didn't have anything to say. Oh, yeah,
0: like this book and this woman wrote another book. Shit, I got to think of it because I listened to it, a lot of it, when I went to go pick you up.
1: And you know, it's like, I think an introverted kind of process for sure is not speaking unless you genuinely have something to say. Totally. Not just to fill space, not just to say a thing or to contribute in some yep. Way.
0: Right. Susan Kane wrote another book called Quiet Power, The Secret Strengths of Introverts. And she references this first book. But in this one, I'm not sure if the intention oh, it is totally. Because it says right here A guide for kids and teens from the best selling author of Quiet. So like this is specifically for kids. Yeah. To like how to like like addressing issues of like here's how you can feel as an introvert in these situations here are some strategies with how to deal with it. Right. Like, so it was like, and I was thinking this as like, I didn't know if this was like specifically for like a how to guide or who it was for. Mm -hmm. As I was listening to it, I'm like, this sounds like teenagers should read this because it has very practical suggestions. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah. I mean, she talks about a whole section where participation um, or one specific, I forget if it was a specific class where a student had three popsicle sticks in their hand or something. And to get credit for participation, they had to leave class that day without the popsicles. And once you participated, you drop one like in the middle. Right. So it's like, oh, you have some you have to say three things. Right. And then so many times students would be like, I have nothing to say. Or like, I'm gonna say something. I mean, her one of her suggestions was like Say something as soon as possible. I mean, and I'm paraphrasing. This is not exactly it, but like Mm. speak early. If you have a thought, speak early. Mm -hmm. Or like go in with a roadmap of like points you could talk about. And if you hear one of those, just do it, you know, to do it. But yeah, it's like people would run into issues. where, like, okay, I have my popsicle sticks. I have nothing to say. I should say something. And then the conversation becomes like redundant where – Someone could be like, "Oh, I I agree with whoever said mm-hmm. the last thing. Right? That was good, and like they add virtually nothing to the conversation. Right? Which is like fucking grad school for teachers. It's like, oh, I'm going to piggyback on what you said. I'm like, oh my fucking Christ! Is anything have, <laughs> anyone have anything else to say besides like piggybacking on whatever I Susan like just to, said? I would oh, like to God. circle back to what Susan said. Oh, no, my God! <laughs> I just like, oh my God! It, I just hated. To, I hated.
1: Well, and as a teacher, immediately what came to my mind was if I had the instruction of I have to say something three times in class and here are my popsicle sticks and blah, 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 I immediately go into my inner world brain of trying to think about what I'm going to say more than I pay attention to what anybody else is saying. Or what the lesson is. Because I've I've now shifted out of my, like, receptive brain and gone into, like, sweet Jesus, what am I going (laughs) to say? That is of any kind of
0: value whatsoever. You're totally hitting on something that, like, I witnessed being done as a teacher uh, and reflecting on it when it happened when I was a student, where it's like, okay, we're going to start in this row – And read one paragraph out loud. So it's like, shit, I'm the fourth row, fourth desk back. One, two, three, four. Okay, fourth paragraph. And I would read that paragraph to make sure there were no words I wasn't going to fuck up. Mm -hmm. Did I listen to the first three? No, Mm -hmm. because I didn't give a shit. I wanted to make sure that when I had to say words out loud, I knew what they all were and wasn't going to mess it up. Yeah. So like this urge to get kids to participate does kind of the exact opposite where it's like, they go into survival mode. They go into a mode where it's like, okay, how do I make sure I can save face in front of peers? Right. In this brain, this, yeah. Total survival, like in this situation. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't exist outside of this paragraph, it doesn't exist. And I am not, it doesn't exist. Totally. Yeah. And she talks about this in the book. Um, when she said popsicles, I was listening to this book. So she said popsicles and my mind went to another situation involving popsicles in schools. That wasn't this, but like you have a popsicle and like every kid's name is written uh-huh. on it. And then <laughs> I remember like, so like if you want to force a kid to talk, pull a popsicle and like call their name and have their them name say is something on it or and, whatever. Like, yeah. Congratulations. Genius. Like, first of all, it's like, what is this designed to do? Oh, let's maybe bring a kid out of their shell. I'm like, what? That's the first, that's the fucking dumbest phrase I've ever heard because animals that have shells have them to survive. Let's pull a turtle out of his shell. Why would you do that? You monster. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's stupid on that. And it then, is. And then just like, you know, the spectacle of like, oh, popsicle sticks. Oh, who I'm gonna pull in a collective room of butthole clenches. Right. Where it's like, isn't this funny? Everyone's nervous now. I'm like, well, it's no one's. Is anyone eager? Who is thinking of like this material is engaging and not thinking, please don't call me. Right. It's just. It's just.
1: Well, and it's it's asking sometimes. the wrong questions too, because rather than, you know, how do we get this kid out of their alleged shell right the question could be more along the lines of what have these little tiny humans learned up to this point that makes them reticent about sharing like and mm. how do you create an environment where you know uh, one of the things that i did when i was teaching was like i would i would count to 20 mm. After I asked a question. Oh, yeah.
0: You know? It's funny because something that was brought up in the book I listened to calculated average wait time of teachers from when they ask a question to when they call on someone. Average, the average wait time was like one second. Yes. Because they call on whoever's hand shoots up and it is quite literally under one second.
1: And that is going to be the already engaged already extroverted student who is eager to have a connection and there's nothing wrong with any of that like no. there's literally nothing wrong with any of that and rather than saying like i'm going to i'm going to force participation like i'm going to create some space mm. I'm not actually going to call on anybody for 20 seconds and i'm not necessarily going to call on the first person to put their hand up yeah like i'm going to wait and um I mean, I think, like, this again was thinking along the lines of those introverted students and also as a teacher, like, attempting to manage being introverted in that environment. It was like, I would like 30 seconds of silence in this classroom. (laughs) Like, I think, I mean, I'm sure that there was some... Altruism involved in all the mindfulness that I was doing and and meditation that I was bringing into my students' lives and into my classroom, and yet there was also a very very selfish motivation of, Mm. I want us to shut up for fifteen minutes in the middle of the day, twenty
0: seconds of quiet.
1: I would like just I no talking (laughs) for just (laughs) thirty seconds in between each question that I'm going to ask in this class period, and over. The span of the classroom day, I got some time back. like, yeah, totally. I got some like, oh,
0: space to breathe, isn't it terrible <clears throat> about time back? You say time back? And I think of when I last taught at a school, there was a teacher who was my supervising teacher that went into the school every Sunday. yeah, grade and prep. Yeah. and so much. so I went in. I was there one day, and he had football on. On the, the projector. The like, projector. Yeah, football's on, and this is where it does work. And I did the math, and I don't know how accurate it was, where I think the summer vacation wasn't actually a vacation. It just got you all the Sundays of the school year back. Yep. Yep. Like, you didn't actually get a break. You just got half your weekend back in the summer. Mm-hmm. If you went in, one, which a lot of teachers do, go in at all. Like, I'm not saying spend an entire school day's worth of time. If you go into just to make copies, maybe do some prep, maybe get some grading done because it's easy to do at work and you don't want to bring it home. Doing that once a day, that means your summer vacation, you're just getting your weekend back.
1: Well, and so we were having this conversation earlier about the ideas of like open workspace versus offices, cubicles, things like that.
0: I do have a school, like a story from, are we transitioning into like workplace introvertism before? Not I quite did, yet. Okay. So but yes,
1: um, this will be the segue because I'm the queen of segues.
0: Well, but I do have a story and an idea from when I was in school if okay. we, before we want to transition into.
1: Okay. Um, So going in on the weekend as an introverted person where you get to go to the copy machine without having to have small talk You get to put things in other people's mailboxes. You get to generally tidy up your classroom because for some reason, this strange thing happens in a school building where if there's no students in your classroom, miraculously, Mm -hmm. because you have a prep or whatever, it's highly probable you're going to get asked to cover something else. Oh yeah. Or somebody is going to come in and have a conversation with you. Oh, totally. About a student, about a parent conversation, like something. And and that's if like you're not asked to do to do a prep or volunteer to be at a club or to Correct. organize the dance that's happening on Friday night. So, all of those things so to be in the building uninterrupted is the most productive work time.
0: You know, and you say that, and I remember teaching where we lived before we moved here, and like staying past, like we, we had to stay until three right. by our contract. But a lot of the times we'd stay later just to get shit done. There was a lot of times like staying later, especially on like Fridays, I didn't care. Like I didn't mind being there at like four o'clock on a Friday, right? And I, I, I thought it was so weird because every other day I'm like, get me out of here! Like I want to be out of here at three o one or three o'clock in thirty seconds. But at four, at uh, four o'clock on a Friday, I could be in there and be like, okay, I actually feel at peace. And there's calm, and I know no one else is going <laughs> to no be. No one is in that building to ask me to do anything, or just to be, you know, or or to have small or talk. I'm going to have small talk, or to witness, or to be waiting for the copier. So anyway,
1: introverted teachers.
0: Introverted teachers. When Staying I after- I remember being in uh, high school, and I think I was a junior, and I think I remember a teacher saying something to me like, "Matt." We want to. We I want you to participate. I want you to talk. I want you to get you out of your shell. And I was like, this was junior year, so it was Miss Smith. I remember saying this, like Miss Smith. I'm a sponge. I'm a sponge. You just got to say stuff. I'll catch it. Just soak it all up. And I think of that, and I think of kind of like this dual expectation of a teacher, where like we would like to push our students slightly out of their comfort zone to maybe experience some growth. You know what I mean? Like, that's not an uncommon thing. Right. It's like, if you're allowed to just be in wherever yeah, you're you most don't learn comfortable, your
1: comfort zone.
0: if you're ever allowed, if always allowed to be where you're most comfortable, you're never going to maybe realize you had this skill, ability thing. Maybe you like, maybe you're going to learn to develop and get better at. But also, like, this other side of that coin where, like, maybe a kid knows who they are at that point early on, and like, no amount of comfort zone pushing is going to stop. It's going to ignite that. Like I remember saying to her when I was 16, like I'm a sponge. Like you're not going to pull, you're not going to get blood from a stone. Like you're not going to get, I'm not going to participate. I will sit and listen. Mm -hmm. And at 42, that holds true. Mm -hmm. Like that has been the most constant part about how I learn: Watching, reading, listening, like that's how I absorb things. That's how I best interact with it. Sometimes, yeah, bouncing ideas off people and talking is is good and can help. But like, uh, I don't need to. I don't. I don't like. I can listen to someone talk about things. I can read about things, and like, don't need to be heard to feel like I've learned something. Right. And I've known that since I was fifteen. You know what I mean. So it's just a really hard thing. Like, even as a teacher, I wanted to like push a little. But it's hard to be like, you know what? You know, there's there's a line where, like, all right, we like no amount of pushing is then not get out of your comfort zone a little bit, and then just anxiety, you know?
1: Right, because it's like you can't go so far out of your comfort zone that you're in your reactivity zone. Mm, like, yeah, it's such a like there's a
0: sweet spot. There is a sweet spot,
1: and and we don't think about that.
0: You know, no, yeah, it's just like, well, if there's dead air and no one's talking when I ask a question, I'm a terrible teacher. Right.
1: Is that like, well, I can Those force the moments I loved the most. I'm I like, can... oh, you guys know what to say? I literally can sit in silence indefinitely. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't, there, there's no rush. Think about it, roll it around in your little brain spaces and let me know. And I'll just say here. Actually, I'm gonna even close my eyes. <laughs> I'm gonna close my eyes for a second.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that's funny. Yeah, this book is amazing in that it, uh, the one, the Quiet book by Kane, not only kind of goes into like extrovert introvert ideas in school, but also like in the workplace. There's a fascinating chapter where she talks about like, uh, people admitted to Harvard Business School, mm-hmm. and like, it's like you almost can't be an introvert and go there. Right. Like as far as like the expectations, once you are there past any academic requirements, it's like there is a whole unwritten social aspect where you must adhere to. And if you're not, you're kind of like definitely left out and it's definitely hard. Like she talks about interviews she had with an introverted student and it's just like, it's exhausting. It's hard. Like, there's so many social expectations that are damn near impossible. You know, they have nothing to do with academic curriculum. And it's this whole idea of, like, to be a business leader or any other leader, but particularly in business where then, like, you are, you're the extroverted, you're the alpha, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you're allowed and in charge kind of thing. And, yeah, I'm trying trying to tie this into your open office thing (laughs) we're talking about. So that was my way of trying to do that. That That's a
1: good segue. Thank you. Yeah. And... And this idea that like, the more people we get together and talk about something, the more mm, well thought out that idea will be, or the more ideas we'll get to throw into the center and like come out with the best one or the one that is the most applicable, when in... You know, in reality and in so many studies, it's like, no, people don't do their best brainstorming when they're in a large group of people for so many reasons, for social reasons, for, you know, kind of some of the same reasons we mentioned before, like students not speaking up in class. Like we go, we kind of revert back to that brain of like, well, how is what I'm about to say going to be received? And um, and there's much more like energy matching rather than outliers coming in and saying like, oh, well, this is my idea because you get a group of people in a room and there is going to be less and less variety and less and less vulnerability in what they're saying. Whereas if everyone is brainstorming on their own in their own space and then came together, that's where you would actually see some differences.
0: Yeah, I've been part of professional groups where it's Was like, Was it a
1: PLC? <sighs>
0: <sighs> it might have Sorry. been, I'm not gonna say any more. Might have been, words wow, today. I haven't thought of those three letters in that order in so long.
1: It's mm-hmm. <laughs> funny, right?
0: Um, yeah, like I, and this is where, like, I can't believe I have to deal with adults that don't understand I think differently than they do, you right. know, we're like hey, we're here to solve this problem right now. Let's brainstorm ideas. I'm like, this is the biggest waste of time. Like, you didn't think about this beforehand. Like, knowing I was coming to this meeting, I have ideas. I'm not saying they're good, but I thought about it. And then we could talk about them. But like, yeah, it's like to, to not pre-brainstorm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you are the biggest piece of shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it's just like so... If you're a leader, if I'm leading a group of people in a professional mm-hmm. environment... And I'm like, we have a problem to solve. That's like me saying, I'm going to bring you into a room be like, here's the problem, solve it right now. And like being annoyed or upset or surprised if there's some sort of like stunned silence with like, uh, okay, um, I'm, I don't have any ideas right now. Or like, I can't think about this now. I just, I literally just found out about this. And I... Uh, I Maybe I have some personal bias because I think that type of leadership is horseshit. <laughs> so it's much very so, Kapha statement, it really by is. The way. It's like Kaffa and I just like maybe it's just crankiness with age. Where I'm not like chalking it up to like, well, this is different. I'm like, no, this is poor leadership, and you're a dumbass. Wow.
1: <laughs> so your your one judgment is uh, very strong in this particular scenario.
0: Well, here's my point, and this was Susan Cain's point is that brainstorming in groups is, does not work. It's not as effective as having people brainstorm by themselves because people are afraid to take risks. And it annoys me, and I guess this is why I get fired up, is any supervisor or leader that is unwilling to allow people or put the work in themselves to think about solutions beforehand before they bring them to a group. You know, the only way, you know, this illusion that just because we're in a group, that means it's creative and more minds make more brainstorming. No, it's like sometimes people work best and think of ideas by themselves first.
1: Right. It has to go both ways. Like, and, and I think that this is ultimately what is at the root of frustration for us. i mean, like, I'll only speak for the conversations we've had around being introverted where there's so much information out there around like how to support introverts to engage more in their environment or like how to help your introverted friend make friends in the workplace, like just self-helpy kind of things. And it's like, you know, we joke about it and like our, you know, I think the irreverence I know will be like, Where's I know where the book? you're going
0: and I'm not joking.
1: <laughs> where is the book that's like, oh, extroverts, here's how to count to 10 minimally before you insert your opinion in every situation, you know. And ultimately it's like, because society has a story mm. that this is a healthier way or a happier way of being. One of the things that people often think about introverts is that they're like depressed Mm. or they're sad or like or they're lonely. But like,
0: and the idea that shy is a crippling thing to overcome. And it's just like, yeah, I am. And I can, I've learned how to not be shy in certain areas, but also like, yeah, I'm shy. That's, that doesn't prevent me from doing anything that I want to do. Right.
1: And, and so again, it's like, we just have to check the value system around us of like, why is this considered a superior way to interact socially right. than oh, yeah, and this that.
0: book this book talks a lot about how the misconception about like, well <laughs> I'm paraphrasing because I'm fired up. Like because you're a bloated loudmouth, mouth, you are a leader. <laughs> mm. Because because you're loud and talking all the time equals leadership skills. Right. No, I mean it, it has I, I don't remember the study. I mean the she mentions them where people interpret people who speak in leadership roles or in leadership kind of position that are doing more talking as better leaders Mm -hmm. because they're talking more. And I'm like, I can't think of a worse quality in a leader than to always be talking.
1: I just immediately go to our illustrious campus director that we had for Oh yeah. You know, like yeah i this yeah, man yeah, yeah. did nothing other than close an office door and shout into a speakerphone all day and it was like oh he knows what he's doing i'm right. like what is he doing it's like this illusion what of is he working doing? hard
0: the illusion of leadership which is because you're loud i'm like that that doesn't right. i always saw through that as just a guise for like i don't know what i'm doing so i better mm-hmm. make it look like i know what i'm doing right um not in not every case. It's not every case where someone who does a lot of talking doesn't make him a poor leader, but it can certainly try to mask poor leadership, and then sometimes you can see through it. If you, I mean, that's one of the many skills this woman talks about introverts having is listening, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, listening equals seeing through bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like you listen enough, you can just read a room and people without having to do a thing, and
1: and my experience is like. It takes varieties of people operating in the most ideal way for them to operate, coming together, working together in ways that honor everybody's preferences, yeah. everybody's. And, and so, like, you know, I mean, and sometimes I think it's like, well why is there suddenly all this focus on introvert, introvert, introvert? And to me, it's like when people are like, well, why does everything have to be focused on like women and feminism right now? And it's like, well, because for so long, Mm. you know, patriarchy has been the dominant. And so it's like, we're just trying to send that, you know, tip that scale over into the other direction. And I'm not saying that it much in the same way that, I wouldn't say that like there isn't incredible mm. sacred masculine that balances divine feminine. I'm saying that there is a balanced extroversion that you know creates a lovely complement to balanced mm. introversion and I have some friendships like that. Like I mean I think about Jess. I'll, oh yeah, totally. You know?
0: like Jess is an extreme extrovert. Not only do I like, I love Jess, but like I would go hang out with her and like I would totally want to roll with her because like, I mean, our trip to Costa Rica was the perfect example of that where she took the lead in a lot of situations and I was allowed to be myself in all these other situations. Like it worked out really well. And, you know, this book also mentions like, you know, the duality of like, Extrovert and introvert, like the Rosa Parks Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. Or like Rosa Parks, what is she known for? You know, saying, I'm not gonna move my seat. And she didn't make a speech, she didn't grandstand, she just quietly said, No. You know, and in the movement that followed that, it was Martin Luther King who gave speeches and rallied people. And it's like that that duality of there are roles everyone is suited to. For a specific cause, right? That it can all work. You know what I mean?
1: And making sure that like there's that honoring of the different ways of being. You know, like oh and, yeah, and I mean, that's the thing about Jess too is like I mean we've been friends for over thirty years. Oh, you're so point. old. And I know. <laughs> and you know, I joke because like we can go to an event together, a retreat together. I could go to a retreat with 300 other people in a you know in the Catskills or whatever come away from that weekend having met no one
0: mm. at yeah. all right
1: go to a retreat with Jess and we come away from that retreat with like you know three new friends minimally <laughs> yeah. that we're now emailing with you know networking with like she's so good at that yeah. and Arrives in that and like i would never expect jess to operate like an introvert and she never would expect me to operate like an extrovert and because she has that like awareness of how i am in the world she's like don't worry about this i got this part Hmm. because you hate this part right and and that's where it can it can be such a beautiful dance it's where we go off the rails when it's like well we're all going to get together and, you know, well, go back to the extreme example of like, yeah. we're going to have an open office plan oh where 18 people work in a room where they're all sitting staring at each other with tiny little laptops in front of them. Well, like
0: It's funny you say that because like if I was in that scenario, I would just revert back to what I was like a, being a student, like being a bad student. We're like, oh, who's over here? You want to talk? You want to mess around? And hit you? Oh. Here's a funny joke. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of like my attention that I think I have is really good would all of a sudden become like drifting. Like I would not give a shit. You know, I mean, um, my most optimistic self thinks it's a misguided attempt to collaborate and create creativity or create communities. Um, My most pessimistic self thinks it's an egomaniac, narcissistic leadership way of making sure everyone is doing what they should be every second of the day. Like
1: it's easy to micromanage people yeah. and cut down is on like the privacy. Yeah.
0: No privacy. Like the micromanaging is like the lead is like, I have so much disdain for any leader that like micromanages that I can't even, I mean, maybe cause it's so far from how I've ever taught or coached. I don't know if I've ever been in any mm-hmm. leadership position that wasn't a teacher or coach. And I was never like micromanaging. I'm like, this is the thing you have to do. You're going to go do it. You're not going to go do it. Okay. I can hold you accountable. I know how to do that. I don't need to A, have a power struggle or show everyone else that I am showing you how to do things. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to do that. Like I can, as long as I know that in a way I can hold you accountable, I will do that. And no one else needs to know, but you and me, like, I don't need to have this power surge. Uh It's funny, like, we, we talk about this. I mean, think of how many, uh, like, seminars and, like, professional development days in school or, like, strategies or classes in teacher education colleges are basically attempts to cure introverts. Yeah, How to draw out the introvert. There's n- very little, like, how to get the extrovert to shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> I know, it's terrible. Like, I did a search in the, our library for Burke for books, I did a search for introvert and I found a lot of books, you know, a lot of uh, similar to the book we've been talking about, like introvert power, how introverts can lean into their strengths Uh and be leaders, which they are or can be. And I did a search for extrovert and there were all the same books. Literally, there's no books that says, hey, extrovert, shut your mouth for 20 seconds. (laughs) Extrovert, no one cares about everything you have to say.
1: Or just, hey, extroverts, sometimes we learn more. From listening and observing.
0: And I say extrovert and I immediately think of Jess and I feel bad. Uh, Yeah. Because she's not like that. And most, um, and very many extroverts.
1: Exactly. We're talking about like the extreme. You're,
0: yes. We all know the ones that can't. You're going to
1: the extra because that's, you know, what we want to address is the extreme, the extreme, extreme.
0: Yeah. Extrovert. So. What's what's the takeaway? What's the what's the bullet point? What's our point by talking about all this right now?
1: Um well, interestingly, in the context of mutual victory, I do have some curiosity. And I would love to hear if any if anybody is listening to this. is like, I mean, aside from Matt shit talking extroverts, which he does mean with love. Um no, I don't <laughs> is, uh, is like what are relationship dynamics? Because sometimes I think like there are a lot of couples that are one person is an extrovert. One person is an introvert. Like, and, and I'm using the term couple like loosely because mm, obviously we just talked about like me and Jess and like right. friendships and things like that. Like, you know, I would, I would say like, um, you've had friends in the past that like, like Charlie is more, yeah. of you know, Let's get together. Let's talk about things. Let's yeah. have conversations with oh, everyone. My like, God, you know what?
0: I just remembered he called me in March. Honey, this was like the. This is also an introverted problem. This was the stomach bug wisdom teeth oh, 10 to 15 days. Shit. I remember, like, I remember looking at the phone and being like, I feel horrible. I can't even pick this up right now. See, introverts also forget down. to call people. Oh, my God. Okay. Holy shit. I feel like so there could it. be a book right.
1: that's called Introverts P- Fucking Call People Back. <laughs> Pick up the phone. Pick up the fucking phone. <sighs> yeah, you're probably right. You're okay. Right. Um so it's like sometimes there's that perfect uh polarity that happens. And then I also know, and we have couple friends, and maybe this is true because we are both introverts mm. who are also both introverts. Yeah. Relatively introverted yeah. people. What does a like how often does a double extroverted couple happen, and what does that look like?
0: It's a, it's a bright flame that burns fast.
1: Is it just like so much going and doing all the things? Like it seems like so much doing all the Could things. Could
0: be, yeah. I mean, you know, it so sounds like living hell to me.
1: My <laughs> that is your, that's your purgatory or something. Um, no, it's hell. It's hell. It's absolute hell. So. I mean, that I would love to know from people is, like, what is the dynamic of your relationship? Because I am so grateful that we could have stretches of time where we, like, actually don't leave the house or talk to other people for days. Oh, my God.
0: You say stretch of time. Like, it could be, like, always. Right. This is bad. I think I, I'm i an introvert bordering on hermit. Right. Where you are an introvert bordering on human being.
1: Border <laughs> Bordering on... I appreciate community and connection. You
0: are the Ben Kenobi that takes Luke to Mos Eisley. (laughs) I'm the Ben Kenobi that shows up with baby Luke saying, I'm going to go be in the desert for 20 years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. Oh, I like that I, regardless, I get to be Obi-Wan. So that's good. Um, And, oh, I lost my train of thought because now Uh, I got distracted by Star Wars.
0: Well, it's a good place to close.
1: I guess it's a good Uh, place to close, you know? I just would love to know. I would love oh, to know yeah. how other... How oh, the this, is, this is... What I, and frequently you say to me things like, I love when you're tired.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> like, you're still... I was like, yesterday when you were still jet lagged uh-huh. and we were in bed watching TV at nine, I'm like, this No, is,
1: we were in bed at like
0: eight. I'm like, it is either Christmas or my birthday because this is a gift.
1: Like, and I've been in you know relationships in the past where i like want to go take a bath and want to go to bed and read and it's like you serious yeah it's like oh my god it's so early why do you want to do these things like la, la, la. it's eight
0: let's do that right now
1: and i'm like well the sun is sort of almost setting <laughs> like it was still light outside yeah, when we got into bed last was. night
0: and and so to our credit we did just see a movie okay
1: yeah, I'm. Sh- that was definitely. I just it. went to the movies. We just did our extroverted thing, where we went to a dark movie theater, didn't talk to anybody. We're <laughs> one. We were two of maybe six people six, yeah. in the entire theater, and then we probably left and went back home. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think like I'm grateful. I don't think that I would be able to function in a relationship, like a partnership, intimate relationship with somebody. 24 7 that was extroverted no
0: absolutely not
1: i think there would be like friction and so oh, i would totally. love to hear about other people's experiences where there is that polarity and they love it and like the mm. introverted person helps the extroverted person like chill bit, the fuck right? out yeah. and the extroverted person helps the introverted person come out and like do things and interact with people and yeah. have connection friendship um And then I really want to know what a double extroverted relationship looks like because that, just even thinking about it, makes my brain explode.
0: Yeah. When I ever want to sit back and realize how good I have it, uh, I'll read about an extrovert-extrovert relationship.
1: (laughs) Do you need a reminder of how good you
0: have it? No, I don't need, but it's always nice to have.
1: Hmm.
0: So if you know or have an introvert in your family or circle... I would check out the books by Susan Kane. They are fantastic. And they, they bring up so many interesting things about introverts, what it means to be introverted, misconceptions and all that stuff. They're fantastic. Um yeah, they're really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even if you don't have someone in your immediate circle, I'm like sure you know someone this you know. is how Yeah. Fi- arguably fifty percent of the population yeah. behaves.
0: So if you have a lot of fire, you're extrovert, you're always on the move it's just like this is how a lot of people you interact with and know operate and it's good to know too Mm. yeah all right all right good stuff this is mutual victory i am matt and i am genie thanks everyone